The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solex show. This is episode 190, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Benjamin... Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Follow That's him it. on Benjamin Solak. Just, Follow. just hop right on. Follow Benjamin Solak at Benjamin Solak. S-O-L-A-K. He's a little rusty, and I've been getting a lot of... Uh, right, yeah. How do we How do we do this? How does this go? What am I supposed to say now? Well, number one, we're, we got to qualify the fact that you're not fired. I've gotten several DMs. People in the mentions are, are asking what happened to you're the out here, You're out here tweeting about the fact that you would fire me if you could. Correct. Interesting. <laughs> Correct. And I absolutely would. I would hire you. Just to fire you to prove to you that I had the power. All right, just to over watch my life. little face. I think this is the part where I say, "Ben, how you doing, brother?" And Ben, yeah, man, everything's delicious. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> now every day is a good day to have a good day. Um, we were gone for less than a month, and people are asking, like, "What happened to Ben?" We're like interacting on Twitter every day. We're playing Warzone together. Like, people chill, man. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Right. There's right. It's uh, we're a week out from the season now. Right. And so yeah. and obviously the, the, that's the opening kickoff on Thursday. Houston, Kansas City. Eagles don't play until Sunday. We'll prep you for that week one Sunday game as per usual. Um, but without me being at training camp, without Mike being at training camp and without people being allowed to post videos of training camp. <laughs> I mean, it's been pretty much, you yeah. know, like what the you- Eagles, you know, cut Elijah Holyfield today. And I was like, all right, feel disappointed. And then I was like, well, didn't really have anything riding on this because <laughs> not really much much to dive into in training camp this year, which is, is, is the nature of the uh, of the beast this year. And it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of worse stuff happening in the league and outside of the league because of COVID. And so unplanned, unscheduled vacation. Yeah. Also, we're still here. Yeah. I couldn't leave if I tried. Right. I would not let Ben leave unless I had the power to fire him. It's the Leo gift from Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> exactly. I'm not leaving. So as the season ramps up, uh, the Kiss and Solak show will ramp up. And obviously, I mean, we had the daily recaps from BGN Radio. We've been doing Quick Jam. We've been doing everything to keep you informed. Our specialty and what we're really waiting for, me and Ben, is to finally get some film to watch, some games to happen, some previews to do, 
and that's happening very, very soon for the Eagles. But right now, some pertinent news to deal with, and we're not going to dive too far deep into this. I just want to update you on what we see as we record here. As the Eagles make it down to their 53-man cuts, and we have the predictions on uh, the last BGN radio, but the Eagles have waived the following 13 players. Safety, Graylin Arnold, who actually was kind of making a push to make the roster there, I guess, according to some. Wide receiver, Travis Fulgham, who was a late add. Offensive guard, Julian Good-Jones, had no idea he was on the roster. As Ben mentioned, running back Elijah Holyfield is out of the rotation. Same with running back Adrian Killens. And then safety, Elijah Riley. Tight end Tyrone Swoops, Swoops, another one that Swoops. came in late. Running back Michael Warren, offensive lineman Luke Juriga, Uriga. Wide receiver Juriga. Deontay Burnett, who was a bit of a surprise. Wide receiver Marcus Green and wide receiver Manasseya Bailey. Manasseh. Manasseh Bailey. There you go. And then Embarrassing Andre Dillard. that you would not know these names. <laughs> and then offensive tackle Andre Dillard was officially moved to injured reserve. This is an ongoing thing as we record this, the information we have now. Obviously, when these things are finalized and they have their final 53-man roster, you're going to probably get a quick jam episode. You'll get a BGN radio. You'll get shows covering that as well. That's not the main topic of the show that we are doing today. One of the first things we want to talk about, and this is great that this actually uh, dropped, Not maybe not great for Zach Ertz, but Ian Rappaport tweeted out, quote, sources, negotiations between the Eagles and tight end Zach Ertz came to an abrupt halt when Philadelphia made an offer that had less guaranteed money than their offer in November. The backloaded offer also had less cash over the next four years annually than Austin Hooper's Browns contract, end quote. Mike Garofalo followed up with, quote, to clarify, my understanding on Zach Ertz's contract situation is that the Eagles have not closed the door on further discussions. The latest go-around didn't result in a deal, but they haven't waved the white flag in the short term and definitely not in the long term. Stay mm-hmm. tuned, end quote. So this is going to be an ongoing saga between the two sides, but here's what this tells me as of right now. The Ertz camp is using Austin Hooper's contract as a baseline. The Eagles are Hooper aren't. and Ertz have the same agent. Carrick Sports Groups. Yeah. So he's trying to get him the same deal, a better deal, and whatnot. And they're saying, and, and, and look, it's a new contract for Hooper. In my opinion, it's an overpay. So neither side is wrong here. I mean, if I were Ertz's agent, I'd be saying my player got this much money. The other player got right. is we're asking for this much money for a better player that's more productive. There's nothing wrong with that. How about just, Austin Hooper reading this right now being like, oh, so Steve Carrich definitely thinks Zach Ertz is better at football than I am. That's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, prove him wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> if I'm the Eagles, I'm saying, look, you're a top-tier tight end. You're being paid like a top-tier tight end. We want to get a deal done, but right now you're signed through 2021, and we can't use a bad contract from one team for one player to guide our decision-making. And not only that, mm-hmm. this right here shows us the kind of cap trouble that the Eagles are are facing and that are now being exacerbated by COVID. They had a better offer out there. Ertz didn't take it in November, and now the realities on the ground have changed, and the offer has changed. And it's unfortunate for both sides. Ertz has to do what's right for him. No gripe with that. The Eagles have to do what's right for them. Ultimately, I want Ertz on the team long term, right? I want what he wants. He wants to retire as an Eagle. I want the same thing. But he has zero leverage right now outside of Wentz being in his corner, which is not nothing. But as of right now, the interest between Ertz and the team, they don't align. And I'm fully behind the Eagles standing right. firm. Ben, your thoughts? Yeah, so so there's like 12,000 different things that are true about this, <laughs> which is why we are where we are, which is just like nobody is going to move and nobody should move. And it's just going to see how this plays out. So right. George Kittle signs five-year, $75 million extension. 
Travis Kelsey immediately follows that up with a four-year $57 million extension, I think it is. Mm. Um, Kelsey's deal, critically, like, did not add... He had like no signing bonus or something like that. Like basically it's all money that's going to come later. It's super backloaded. Right. Which Mm -hmm. for the chiefs makes sense because they're going to be tight on the cap for the next couple of years. They very famously had like $68 at one point in cap space. They super backloaded the Mahomes deal. They backloaded the the Kelsey extension because they're going to get through COVID. And then when the salary cap balloons, once COVID revenue streams pick back up, the chiefs will, have to pay all that money to Mahomes and to Kelsey, but they were going to have Mahomes and Kelsey three years from now anyway, so it's fine. So those deals happen. While those deals are happening, the Eagles are looking at their books as they have the least amount of cap space projected for 2021, in which a $175 million cap floor has been set, but given you know revenue limitations from COVID, we should expect $175 million to be the cap ceiling in 2021 the eagles are below that by 75 million 70 million about after they roll over their space from this year so they need to somehow create money in 2021 zach Ertz, all right has a 6.6 million dollar base salary in in 2021 or no no no, excuse me that's this year he has a a 6.6 this year he has an 8.3 million 8.25 million dollar base salary in 2021 well if you believe zach Ertz. In 2021, he'll be 30. If you believe him to be a member of your team in 2022 and 2023 and 2024 after his age 30 season, well, then you can do what the Eagles have already done three times with Zach Ertz, Mike, which is take that base salary on guaranteed money, fold it into guaranteed money, signing bonus, option bonus, and put it on future years. Mm Mm-hmm. And that way you don't have to pay that money in 2021. You pay a fraction of it in 2021 and then a fraction in 22, 23, 24, 25. So the Eagles certainly were, before the Kelsey and the Kittle deal, we're going to sit down with Zach Ertz and be like, brother, you know this thing you've done for us three times where you've guaranteed your long-term standing on our roster because you've put money into future years and in return, we get to turn that money into guaranteed money and spread it out over multiple caps and we get to lower cap hits mm. let's do that again because right. you're going to be around and we're going to be around and let's do it that was a lot easier before zach Ertz. you know the, the the deal that he signed when it was signed was a five-year 42 million dollar 42.5 million dollar deal so it's 8.2 8.5 it's 8.5 million per year yeah kelsey and killer at like 15 million a year <laughs> right and Ertz is not as good as kelsey and he's not as good as Kittle. But boy, if he ain't the third best tight end in the NFL, and he's making 60% APY what these guys are making. So when the Kelsey and the Kittle deal signed, it did not change the reality of the Eagles need to restructure. Zach Ertz has a big base salary, and they've restructured his base salary previously. They have a good relationship with him. That reality still exists, but the reality exists for Zach Ertz. That is, listen, if we're sitting down talking about my contract, I'd like to talk about the amount of money I'm making. Mm -hmm. And the Eagles can extend him and increase his yearly his apy the amount of money he makes per year while also pushing money into future years but zach Ertz has to be okay with that money getting put back backloaded in future years so he's not getting it right now the trade-off is that the, the figure has got to be really big the the thing with that is that the eagles have a young man named dallas goddard who's gonna be looking at a new contract in two years mm-hmm. and and the simple reality especially like even before covid but again like another truth of the situation is that the eagles probably at some point have to choose Ertz or Goddard. Right. And because of COVID, they might get stuck choosing Ertz because they have to restructure that deal to make more space in 2021 
thereby ensuring Ertz stays on the roster for the next couple of years. And then it makes it harder to extend Goddard because the Eagles are very vocal about thinking Goddard's like a top 10 tight end. Well, you're going to have to pay him like a top 10 tight end when his contract's <laughs> up in 2021, yep. right? Both he and Ertz right now are up in 2021. So there's very, very many truths. Ertz has done a ton of work with the Eagles to help them restructure his deal. He deserves to be treated well by the team, be given a big pay, uh, big payday, given the Kelsey and the Kittle deals. The Eagles need Ertz to be nice to them, to create some cap space. Ertz is better than Hooper. That's that's the truth. Yep. Dallas Goddard might be better than Ertz as a receiver. He might be better than Ertz as a blocker. He might be cheaper on another contract that might help the Eagles. That's the truth. We've got a lot of balls in the air, pots on the stove in the Eagles tight end room right now. And, and obviously COVID kind of makes all these decisions at, at higher stakes. So the Eagles and, and Ertz aren't going to do anything this year. I'd be stunned if they get something done this offseason. This upcoming season is a big deal because if Deshaun's healthy, Rager's healthy, Wentz starts throwing it to wide receivers a little bit more, if Goddard continues to look good, Right, Eagles are not are not going to be incentivized to tie themselves to Ertz for the next three four years by restructuring that deal. Yeah. They're going to have Ertz play out that deal and then let him go and just take the cap hit in 2022 when all of his option voided years circle back on the prorated money circles back onto the cap, which is the grave they've dug for themselves. But that plus Goddard might be cheaper and also might be better player in the long term, and that's why that Goddard pick really throws a wrench into the whole situation. So. Don't blame Zach Ertz for trying to go get his. Zach Ertz has an extremely good case for being like, I deserve to be paid by this team who has restructured <laughs> my deal three times, right? Like that's, that is a, a great argument. And, and Ertz is a good player, but he's not Kelsey's not Kittle and Goddard waiting in the wings hurts his spot. So it's going to be interesting to watch next nine months. See how this goes. Like we said, you know, the Eagles have a reason to be patient. Ertz has a reason to, to go after it and try to get paid just like any player trying to go get paid, get your guaranteed money when you can get it because you never know what the, the next football year is going to hold. So again, I'm not blaming either side of what's going down here. So it's something to follow. And like you said, the Eagles are probably going to have to make a decision between the two right now. Unfortunately for Ertz, he has no leverage and they can kind of play this thing out and we'll see. And maybe that's when Goddard takes his next big step and shows that he is a top 10, top five tight end in the league. Hopefully for the Eagles, that's the case. You know, never have a problem choosing between two really good players. Uh, this is also in transactional news as far as contracts. Diana Rossini put out there, Jadavion Clowney could be with the team very soon. She was told that the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints are both making strong pushes to sign the free agent. Both teams want him on the field by Monday and are making their pitches. Clowney has kind of screwed himself throughout this, this process, wanting a certain amount of money that's just not coming to him. And yet uh, he's still unsigned because of that. But now, I mean, the Titans, okay. Deep playoff team last year could definitely be enhanced by Clowney. The Saints being in the NFC worries me more. Number one, they're in the NFC and we're covering the Eagles. Number two, the Saints roster for me, top to bottom, is the best in the league. And when you look at quarterback, coach, roster, you know, the talent roster, the Saints have a pretty good argument when they play anybody that they have the better of the three. If they add Clowney to the mix, that's an even bigger problem. Ben, your thoughts on this? This is the most Sean Payton thing I've ever heard. Right? Just go in on uh, just go Al in on this Al year. Alvin, no, Alvin Kamara. Hello? Don't even pay Kamara. <laughs> Kamara goes, hello? I would like some money. Sean Payton says, brother, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Then he goes to Mickey Loomis and says, okay, tell tell them we're thinking about trading Kamara and tell them we're looking after Clowney. <laughs> I'm Sean Payton. I'm a giant a-hole. Yep. And I love being it. And I'm good at coaching football teams. This is how we're going to do it. I'm dying at, at Ra Rappaport tweeted about this rap just said uh the titans have also maintained interest in Clowney. the seahawks have been monitoring but the saints are pushing hard and then he says Clowney would play right de right right defensive end in an even front 
on national TV more than he has ever been with a chance to cash in for 2021 after a one-year deal. If the Saints selling point to Clowney is, hey, don't worry, we're going to play on the right side the whole time. As if that, like, matters? <laughs> right, like, as right. if that, like, the whole thing with Clowney is you can move him around. Yeah. I have no idea why that's a good selling point. The on national TV more often also kills me. Um, <laughs> Clowney's not going to the Saints because he can play right defensive end because he's going to have national television. He's going to play the Saints because the Saints are going to give him money and he's going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. It just depends on, on how much the Saints are able to give him. I think I still think Tennessee makes the most sense for him. But if the Saints get him, Rankins, Cameron Jordan, Jadavion Clowney, Marcus Davenport. <laughs> Goodness. Good like, night. what are we talking about there? Absolutely. It's good the night. best roster in the NFL right now. And if it adds right. Clowney, it's the best roster in the NFL. We're going to talk about expectations for the Eagles and predictions on what their record might be. But I, I just want to throw it out there. Are the Saints your pick to be the number one seed? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense <laughs> for kind of all the reasons we just talked about. So when we come back here on the Kist and Solak show, we are going to talk about the expectations for the Eagles entering this year. Maybe we'll throw some predictions out there. We'll also talk about the uh, a bit of a, a musical chairs happening there along the offensive line and some uh, conflicting messages being put out there. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show episode 190 SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Ben, simple question for you, man. The the over-under for the Philadelphia Eagles wins is at 9.5. Mm-hmm. Are you over or are you under? Leave out who wins the division. I want to ask you about I want I want to ask you about that next. Ten wins, eight wins, eleven wins, seven wins. How are you feeling? I think nine and a half is a good line. It's a great if I, line. If I were taking it, I'd take the under. Team's Ooh. not healthy. Team's not healthy. Yeah. What 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 what, what, what like okay, so I got like <laughs> let let because let's seriously like I'm I'm gonna describe a team to you without with just pronouns, and then you tell me what you think. New coaching staff, new offensive coaching staff, massive turnover in the secondary, with a new secondary coach, massive turnover at wide receiver, with a new wide receiver coach. First round rookie is injured from this year. First round rookie from last year is injured. Pro a uh, 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 three year back to back to back Pro Bowler is injured. Other starting receiver coming back from injury other starting receiver coming back from injury starting defensive tackle out with injury free agent safety addition out with injury quarterback injury prone it sounds terrible (laughs) yeah i'll I'll make the point some of those turnovers were necessary and probably end up being a plus okay and and that's the thing right it's like i think aaron moorhead is a win over carson walsh and micro right like it, it is but also this is not the year. This is the this is the year of stability, right? It's what everybody talks about, and I think that's generally getting gas a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I, it I, still I matters, this, right? I tweeted this last week, right? Like continuity is important all of the time, and usually we don't talk about it enough. And now this year, it feels like it's more important, so we're kind of over talking about it. And mm-hmm. I think generally continuity is important, and this year is important, and last year was important, and next year will be important, whatever. But it is to say that. The the issues that we felt we diagnosed with the Eagles team last year were I, I, things of communication, health, and the continuity that resulted from having poor coaching and poor health. So you were constantly shuffling guys around, bringing guys up from the practice squad, whatever, right? That was the mm. issue in Philadelphia last year, right? Like, oh, Carson had a bad game against the Seahawks. Oh, you know, the defense had a bad game against the Redskins, the Washington football team, Redskins at the time. Well, the overarching, those are symptoms. And the overarching problem was the coaching staff was not communicating well and they were dealing with so many health problems. Well, 
they're already dealing with health problems again. And when you have new coaching staffs, which, you know, it's obviously still Peterson and still Schwartz, but a lot of the, the, the offensive senior assistants and the position coaches, Corey Unlin, Moorhead, whatever, are turned over, you should expect communications issues. And the Eagles are going to be starting a lot of young new players at new positions. Jalen Mills is moving. Nickel Roby Coleman and Darius Slayer are new starters. There's going to be a new starter at safety, whether it's, it's, it's Will Parks or Kayvon Wallace or however that ends up looking, right? Those problems are probably going to persist early into the season. I think the Eagles are going to be a really good team in the back half of the year. But I'm worried what they look like in the first half of the year, especially if they limp into it with no Rager, with no Alshon, with no Parks, with no Hargrave. You know what I mean? Like, this this could not look good early. I think they're going to get better as time goes on, but there's reason to be concerned early. So to me, I think they're a nine-win team. Maybe they get to 10 if they get through the first half of the season clean, but I think they're going to finish a lot stronger than they start. Yeah, it's hard to trust a team that is going through so many injuries. They have the turnover on the medical staff as well, which is supposed to help things, but players get injured, and the, the Eagles just cannot right. shake the injury bug, and it's really hurting them. And it, it's hard to say that they're going to be an over team based on what we've seen because of those injuries, and especially when so much is predicated. I mean, the, the Eagles have had an uh, an awesome offensive line for as long as we've been covering them as, you know, quote-unquote professionals or media members or whatever the case may be. This is the most questions we've had about that line coming into this year, even before the Dillard injury that we've had about that line with Brandon Brooks out, and now Andre Dillard is going to miss the year, and the Eagles are, are like, trying to, like, play this this haggling gamesmanship negotiation thing with Jason Peters. Uh, he wants more money, and Peterson said, well, he never really said that, and, well, we could move him to left tackle, but I haven't really asked him if I did. I wouldn't tell you. Like, Peterson was real weird in his press conference Peterson, about Peterson, it. Peterson, like, Peterson's fully leaning into, like, I am old coach who says nothing. I remember right. rookie coach Peterson who was like, this is my offense. <laughs> and then pretty much the Wentz Foles debacle of 2018 training camp just turned him so sour on answering any question about anything and now he's just crotchety and withheld and persnickety it's terrible he reminds me of you with times at which we record just <laughs> nitpicking and being annoying no but who's, somebody, who's, yeah. who starts at left tackle is it jason peters somebody i think it was jeff mcclain maybe it's not jeff mcclain somebody had this tweet where he's they said like the eagles are starting a left tackle at right guard and a right guard at left tackle because continuity question mark and that's like that's a really right it's a really good point they were trying to make this argument that like oh well peters has been here at camp at right guard and so we're just going to try prior to left tackle and it's like brother you know what what peters did you know you know you know what peters did at camp before this (laughs) for the last like eight years and he missed (laughs) days at camp it was less than two weeks that he had been working out at right guard totally right and i don't right i i i like the idea of all right well let's see what we've got here at prior at tackle at camp right now sure right yes versus let's say dillard had gone down in week two <laughs> right and they would just been like all right prior go like you know like i, I like that's good I the it. fact that prior is by all accounts not a tackle is not surprising to me right mm-hmm. and when i wrote about prior when i assumed him to be the the starting right guard immediately in the wake of the brooks injury i wrote about the fact that this is a brandon brooks sized dude so he's a tackle sized guy Unlike Brooks, he does not have the quickness to potentially play at tackle. He's going to be maximized at guard like Brooks because that size and that length is going to be really beneficial to him. Prior, as a run blocker, could be valuable at tackle and at guard. The only way to protect his weaknesses in terms of his foot speed, in terms of his his bending issues, is to play him at guard. That's that's where you're going to be able to get him out there and keep things afloat. So, to me, the only recourse is 
Peterson left tackle prior at right guard. I think you get you get the best play from both of them at those positions. Just do it. Right. I mean, you probably in a vacuum, Peters is a better guard than tackle right now. But within the scope of the offensive line as a whole, yeah, absolutely, your better option right. is Peters to tackle and prior guard. Because even if Peters athletically is not tackle caliber, he probably hasn't been for the last season and a half. <laughs> right. And he's been out there surviving, right? Because yep. he is so savvy, so smart, so technically sound. He's been surviving. He and Sam Wall have played next to each other. Obviously, like in 2017, they didn't love playing next to each other, but they've clearly figured it out. They're not the best at like passing off games and and establishing their levels but it's going to be better than anything you get with Pryor who Pryor yeah. does not gain depth he hates gaining depth so just play him a guard play him next to lane deal with that is it going to be perfect no but that's what happens when you have two season ending injuries to the offensive line you make do with what you got and that's the big thing is people have asked you know like like, uh, like people have asked the question well how much worse is the Eagles offensive line really somebody said you know oh you know with Dillard going down the, the Eagles offensive line might be better with Peters at tackle and Pryor at guard I don't disagree with you because I, I, I make no bones about it, and I don't think listeners to the podcast will be surprised to hear this, I'm not the biggest fan of Andre Dillard. But for all of that, oh, maybe the line is better. The line is so scarily thin. Yeah. And that's your concern. That's right. your big issue is that, yes, if the Eagles start week one with Peters at left tackle, Pryor's at right guard, and start week 17 with Peters at left tackle and Pryor at left guard and everything unchanged, yeah, there's a good chance the Eagles offensive line keeps their head above water. Got a lot of love for Jeff Stoutland. They got multiple Pro Bowlers, Hall of Famers on that line. They're going to be okay. But you mm. cannot survive one more injury on the line. Can't and, do it. And Peters is going to be on the injury right. report every week. Right. He's going to be pulled for snaps. It's going to happen. Right. Like, you're you're just... going to put Driscoll, Herbig, right. Tago Winogo, or Opeta. Either a UDFA from last year or a rookie from this year. Out. In, with live bullets in a year where they could not get the same amount of prep they used to get. Mm. It's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have to make a free agent acquisition. It's going to cost more then than it does now. So it is scary depth issues on the offensive line. Not a problem unique to Philadelphia. A lot of teams deal with scary depth issues. Yeah. But it, it's going to be the case in Philly for the first time, you know, since easily the Wentz era. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that like you said, we've grown accustomed, you and I, to tremendous offensive line play in Philadelphia. And that's never been a greater risk than it is right now. So you have it as under at 9.5 if you had to pick today. I'm kind of mm-hmm. forcing your hand to have a take here compared to the Dallas Cowboys. And look, they, they, the Cowboys always have hype coming into the year. They always get the media coverage and everything like that. But like, is Jarrett, Jason Garrett the reason for them underachieving every year? Are they just better by changing to Mike McCarthy? Not only that... Like, is this the best supporting cast that Dak Prescott has ever had and will lead to a big season for him, possibly a top five season for him? Things are set up really well for Prescott. And when you have that, even when the questions that I have with their defense, they're going to score points. They were one of the best offenses in the league last year. Kellen Moore showed that he could adapt to what defenses were doing to him. I think he's one of the brightest young play callers in the game. So when you compare the two... I mean, I think Dallas is a super real threat, and I don't think this is just hype this year. I think they're, they've got the better chances of winning the division. What about you? Yeah, you're going to make me have a take. So my answer is, as always, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. Right? Is it all Jason Garrett? No. It's not all Jason Garrett because the they added CeeDee Lamb. 
And because they have Blake Jarwin, it's probably the best pass catching tight end that Dax had since he's been there. And because, uh, you know, the Kellen Moore, uh, you know, his his onset, his dawn, if, if Mike McCarthy really lets him cook, which McCarthy's making the point that he's letting Kellen Moore run the offense. Which is smart. Yeah, the quote where he's like, I'm doing my best to stay out of the young kid's way. Let, yep. let, let, let him do what he wants to do. And that's smart from a continuity perspective, you know, the theme of this year, but also just from a Kellen Moore is really good at calling plays perspective. So all of that is new for Dak this year. And is good for Dak this year. Right. So you say, okay, no, it's not all Jason Garrett. But to what degree was Jason Witten being brought back because Jason Garrett couldn't put his foot down with Jerry Jones and say, no, I don't want this 40-year-old tight end. Right. (laughs) To what degree was, you know, Kellen Moore's really quality September offensive play designing and, and, and play calling when that was curtailed? To some degree, that was defenses catching up. To some degree, that was also, we need to feed Ezekiel Elliott the rock. Again, why was that decision made and what hand did Jason Garrett have a part in it, right? Because we don't obviously know what's going to happen with McCarthy. But part of, of, of being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys specifically is you have an owner who's very involved. And Garrett was Jones's guy. He was Jones's yes man. And, you know, if Jones is impacting decisions on, on the, the week-to-week play calling more so than the average owner is, eventually the head coach has to draw a line somewhere. And Jason Garrett got fired for many reasons, but I believe one of the main reasons was because he didn't draw a line in the places he needed to draw a line to keep the Cowboys successful. He let Jerry Jones run his own franchise into the ground and then got fired for it, right? And that's mm. what it is when you have an involved owner. Um, McCarthy bringing the veteran ship, bring not a product of Jones's machinations, is going to, I think, have an easier time drawing the line with Jones when Jones says such things as we have to run Ezekiel Elliott more. McCarthy can say, well, we're not going to do that because we're winning football games for passing the football, right? right? And, and you know, to whatever degree you buy into McCarthy's dawn of analytics, his, <laughs> his come to, you know, EPA Jesus moment, I think that he's going to be pass heavy. I think yeah. that he acknowledges that play action is going to be a big part of the offense. And I think that, that they're going to let Dak do that accordingly. Cowboys offense is going to be wicked. Mm-hmm. Cowboys defense is going to be interesting. Right. Losing Gerald McCoy hurts. Adding Everson Griffin helps. The pass rush is definitely better. You know, after like, obviously Robert Quinn was great for them last year, but before Robert Quinn, they were getting on average, like five, six sacks per year from their second best sack getter. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, the Eagles were also have that number on occasion, but they had like five guys getting six sacks. The Cowboys had one. So it's a little bit of a different defensive line. Pass rush has certainly improved. Um, I think that, Griffin is a very big deal because of the big ends they've typically liked there. Alden Smith, we'll see what happens. I'm not putting any stock in him. The lack of interior pass rusher is scary. They have the new Tristan Hill or Neville Gallimore last year's second round pick or this year's third round pick to step into that McCoy role quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, linebackers are going to be fine. Lee, Van Resch, Jalen Smith, good group. I think both Van Resch and Smith did not have a great season last year, but I think both can bounce back. Secondary is where they might just give up 40 points, right? Like <laughs> right now... They're starting corner. They, they said Byron Jones walks and they had second round pick Trayvon Diggs, who has apparently looked good in camp. Fourth round pick Reggie Roberson out of Tulsa. I always say Tulane, but I think it's actually Tulsa. Chidobia Wuzier, who's been shaky for them. Jordan Lewis, Nickel has been shaky for them. And then Anthony Brown plays the nickel. So that's their corner. Know. Yeah, their corner room right now. Like if you ask, all right, who the, the, the Cowboys just locked down a wide receiver one for four quarters. How? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, if that happens, either Trevon Dix was a huge hit outside of the top 50 picks for a rookie corner, that's very rare. Right. Or they got a huge step forward from Cheeto Wuzier, which, again, I don't think it's going to happen. Safety-wise, they just cut HaHa Clinton Dix, who they signed in free agency. 
uh, people think it's for Earl Thomas. It's because they really love Darian Thompson, who they signed yes. a free agency from the Giants, who's been great for them in camp, apparently. But Thompson and Xavier Woods is a bottom 16 safety duo in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Even if Thompson is really, really good, like, I think there's a ceiling on him. And Woods, obviously, is an inconsistent player. They may have to win more shootouts than they'd like to, but they also have the capacity to win some shootouts. And if that defense is even like league average, they're going to beat bad teams and then bully some good teams as well uh, because that offense is going to be able to spit in your face for four quarters. So to me, Cowboys are a clear double-digit win team, whereas the Eagles are on the fringe. So I, I, yeah, I like the Cowboys for the division. So if you're mad at us right now, gentle listener, understand this. We are setting this up to say no more excuses for the Dallas Cowboys, no more excuses for Dak Prescott. If they don't get it done... The Eagles were just the better team, and maybe they were a little bit healthy, healthier than we expected them to be. That's the best case scenario for the Eagles is they just stop getting hit with these doggone injuries that keep happening. I'm, I'm honestly sick of it, dude. All training camp news is bad news, in my opinion, and we've got nothing but bad news from the Eagles coming out of training camp. Other than, like, you know, the wide receivers looking at looking good, but, like, what does that mean? Because we saw reports of Nelson Aguilar, you know, I think it was, like, 2018. Oh, he's uncoverable in camp. He had a bad year. So we'll see. We'll see how all of that works out. But I'm excited for the season. The next time that me and Ben talk, we're going to be setting up the uh, the game with the Washington football team. As I mentioned on Quick Jam, head coach Ron Rivera has announced that Dwayne Haskins will be the starter, as expected. So that should be fun. Haskins fun. was terrible last year and had a really good game against the Eagles. So that's going to be fun. Ben, what you got? Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Oh, I thought you like what you got isn't like answer that question I just posed. And it I was, was like, I did not hear one. It was it was weird. See, we're we're rusty. Yeah, let me, let me take. Let me... This is this is what training camp is for, though. It's for yeah. running through running through the drills, right? Knocking the rust off. That's what we're doing. It's good to have you back from suspension. Oh yeah, <laughs> from what uh, unapproved substances, conduct detrimental to the league, not eating a fruit, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever weird take you have. Listen, thank you as always once again for listening to the Kiss and Sarlacc show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you waiting through the doldrums of August and swinging by to catch us as we step into September and start the 2020 NFL regular season. A sentence I wasn't sure I'd be able to say, and I'm very pleased to say. If you enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed this show, if you're new to BGN Radio and to the Eagles coverage we provide here, we're glad to have you. We're excited about the coverage we bring every season. Mike, you'll be announcing, I think, a rundown of the new show organization probably sometime early next week. We have a couple yes. of changes coming through. Uh, you know, new staff, new responsibilities. It's going to be a lot familiar of what you've already seen from us before. Mike, will, Mike and I will certainly still be previewing games for you from a film perspective and be breaking down games for you after they occur. So if you like the show, if you like us, if you like the Eagles, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Next week is our first preview week for the season oh man baby it does feel good to be back mike i'm excited and also look out for big news from uh sb nation this morning it's gonna be hot all right if it's big news it's average news it doesn't involve you so of course you would say that (laughs) (laughs) we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly